The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Welcome to Masculine Journey. We are very glad to have you with us today. And, and uh, in the studio, we have a whole host of people on the mics today. You're going to hear probably Jim, Darren, Robbie, and me, unless we can convince one of the other guys to get up here and talk as well. But uh, Robbie, I'd love to do this to you. I'm going to throw a question at you that I didn't prepare you for. Oh, good. Okay, so today <laughs> is what eve? Well, actually, let's see. Oh, is it like... It must be Labor Day Eve Eve. So you're right, Labor Day Eve Eve. We haven't done that one in a while because we haven't had a holiday to do it. So it's gonna, it's Labor Day weekend, <laughs> right? So we wanted to, wanted to get that in. Um, but we're uh, starting a new kind of series, I guess you'd say. You know, oh, yeah. and, and if you've been with us for a while, God kind of always directs how long our series go. You know, that sometimes we'll say, well, this is going to be the last show on it. And then the next week we're like, this is going to be the last show on it because God just keeps bringing things up in our heart. And so... Um, Darren actually recommended this. Darren, if you'd like to kind of talk a little bit about why you thought you'd like to, for us to do this. Well, you know, we ask guys at boot camps a lot of time what their favorite movie is. Um, we'll ask them a series of questions, usually the first night of boot camp. You know, what's your favorite movie? Um, what does that movie um, bring out in your heart? Um, kind of, uh, you know, who do you want to be? in that movie you know what's your favorite character type of thing and uh you know some of those types of questions and so it just it made sense to me that um for us to go back because for us to go back and ask ourselves that question what's my favorite movie right now or what's my favorite movie of all time and uh or you know any number of different questions along those lines because it it brings up a lot of different things. It, it has to do with what God is usually, it usually has to do with what God is going after in my heart at the time as to what I would go, well, this week, that's my favorite movie, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and thank you. This week, we actually, Robbie decided to uh, be the one to throw the movie in there, and surprisingly, it's not Camp Rock. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or Barbie Princess, or one of those. Which he, is proof positive that Princess God Barbie. is real. <laughs> And that he is alive and working in the universe right now. <laughs> that's right. The uh, One of the things that's also kind of weird, I, this is the only movie I think that you're the only one that's seen it. It is strange, especially when it won all these Academy Awards and it was done by Steven Spielberg and all these different, you know, amazing actors. But still, I hadn't seen it until it came on Netflix, honestly. And then I couldn't stop watching it. Just grabbed me. So what is it? It's called Lincoln. Okay. And so, you know, the the idea is the heart will make will draw you to things that you really did not expect to be drawn to. In fact, Pascal and John Eldridge quotes him all the time as saying the heart has its reasons that reasons knows nothing of. And so I just couldn't stop watching this movie. In fact, my wife commented like, what are you doing? Are you watching that thing again? And I was drawn to it, and, and then I began to analyze, Darren, actually, what is it that's drawing me to this? And, you know, I had to turn on my editor, which probably not a real good idea, but my editor said, well, it's about a big, tall, goofy guy that likes to tell stories. <laughs> <laughs> I can and see so, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and a very misunderstood wife. 
who actually uh, called him out in a lot of cool ways. And so there were there were some neat things about the movie that um, we're going to explore. You're not going to the theater anytime soon. I'm <laughs> so so we're talking about one of those stories, you know, it, yeah. it, to set this up. Actually, they are bombing Wilmington. Uh, you know, Wilmington's being barricaded. It's during the Civil War, near the end of the Civil War. They're trying to end the war. They're trying to end slavery. And, you know, the, the <laughs> Secretary of War is Stanton at this point in time. And apparently he's been around me and Stu too long because he's heard one too many stories. There is one Ethan Allen story that I'm no. very partial to. No, you're, you're going to tell a story. I don't believe that I can bear to listen to another one of your stories right now. I need the B&O side yard schedule for Alexandria. I asked for them this morning. It was, <laughs> it was right after the revolution, right after peace had been concluded. And um, Ethan Allen went to London to help our new country conduct his business with the king. The English sneered at how rough we are and rude and simple-minded and on like that everywhere he went. Till one day he was invited to the townhouse of a great English lord. Dinner was served, beverages imbibed. Time passed, as happens, and Mr. Allen found he needed the privy. He was grateful to be directed thence. <clears throat> Relieved, you might say. <laughs> now, Mr. Allen discovered on entering the water closet that the only decoration therein was a, a portrait of George Washington. Ethan Allen done what he came to do and returned to the drawing room. His hosts and the others were disappointed when he didn't mention Washington's portrait. And finally, his lordship couldn't resist and asked Mr. Allen had he noticed it, the picture of Washington he had. Well, what did he think of its placement? Did it seem appropriately located to Mr. Allen? Mr. Allen said it did. His host was astounded. Appropriate? George Washington's likeness in a water closet? Yes, said Mr. Allen, where it'll do good service. The whole world knows nothing to make an Englishman shit quicker than the sight of George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I a good story. It is a good story. That's yeah. a good story. And, and what's exactly the moral of that particular story, <laughs> Robbie? Well, the moral is that here they are, and, and Stanton is just on edge. And because he's on edge, and he's the Secretary of War, he's he's got everybody else in the war room on edge. And you know, worrying and frightful and all that stuff. And Lincoln takes the moment, and I actually had to cut out the part that set it up because he's like, get out already. He's quoting Ethan Allen as something that Ethan Allen had said, you know, at the Battle of Ticonderoga. And, and so what he's doing is he's bringing everybody back into, it's going to be okay. Look, look, the president's telling funny stories. I mean, you know, it, and, and it reminds me actually of the time when I got crushed by the Jeep. And, you know. Uh, he's going to tell another story. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, can't I can't take it anymore. Story. <laughs> anyway, you know, here I am laying on the ground. My leg is almost in two pieces. And the guy that hit me is standing over the top of me. And he is freaking out. He's going, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This guy is just in my face. And I mean, I am like in a lot of pain. And I, so I just looked at him in order to try to relax the moment and said, hey, dude, how's your insurance? 
(laughs) 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 And uh, immediately, it just took all the edge off of the situation. And I was like, man, it's okay. You didn't do this on purpose. You know, it, it just, it was an easy way to to break into the situation. And so, you know, it, it was Lincoln observing a situation where people were not where they could be and changing that by use of a bit of humor. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So um, we have another clip that's a little bit different than that with uh, Lincoln and his wife, right? Yeah, and that, this was part of the movie. Darren, you'd asked me before the show... Um, what did I expect to find, which I expected to find a lot of things. It's a Steven Spielberg movie. You know, here's all these. I was expecting a great movie. But what I didn't expect was The Flying Nun. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> Sally Field um, playing Mary Todd Lincoln just didn't make any sense to me because she's just one of my favorite fun-loving characters, and I didn't see that coming. Mm. A- and through the movie what it called to mind was this woman is calling this man out and and she is a significant part of history and 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 she was in a strategic place for such a time as this and lincoln dearly loved that woman and it was a it was a neat thing that i was not aware of and i went to find out that the person that wrote the the novel that the reason the movie was done she originally set out to show how mary lincoln had been misportrayed by history and the important role that she it turned out she wrote the novel more about Lincoln's cabinet. At first, her first idea to do it was on Mary Lincoln. And so the thing that really just became apparent to me is Lincoln was certainly a great leader, but he was not a great leader in a vacuum by anybody's stretch of the imagination. And, and anybody's life, when you look at it, it's going to be influenced by a lot of the people that they have around them that God's placed in their lives. And Lincoln was no... You know, he did not ex- experience that in a vacuum. And here's Mary Todd, you know, letting him have it. <laughs> you think I'm ignorant of what you're up to because you haven't discussed this scheme with me as you ought to have done? When have I ever been so easily bamboozled? I believe you when you insist that amending the Constitution and abolishing slavery will end this war. And since you are sending my son into the war, woe unto you if you fail to pass the amendment. Seward doesn't want me leaving big muddy footprints all over town. No one has ever lived who knows better than you the proper placement of footfalls on treacherous paths. Seward can't do it. You must. Because if you fail to acquire the necessary votes, woe unto you, sir, you will answer to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woe unto you, sir, you will answer to me. Now, Robbie, this kind of brought you back to some points in your life, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, My wife um, was instrumental in my faith. In other words, she was, you're going to church or you're answering to me. (laughs) 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 And, and, you know, in my own career, many, many times, you know, it was her that was calling me out because I was really pretty happy with where I was and those kind of things. And, you know, Mary Todd here historically this is a critical situation that lincoln was not going to meet with the senators and and the other people in order to to work on this amendment because his secretary of state had told him not to because he didn't want these big muddy footprints of this storytelling you know Mm. guy but if 
when you watch the movie, you will see it was Lincoln's interactions with those particular senators, you know, in, in his ability to, to win friends and influence people like Carnegie would quote him so many times that really made it possible for us to get the 13th Amendment. So God brings people into our lives at key times. Exactly. Right. And so that was one of the things that uh, really helped you reflect on as well, God, if he'd not put your wife in your life, you know, where would you be? Would you be a Christian? Would you be anywhere today like you are, you know, or would you be doing something? Right. Different? Without Sam and Darren, I wouldn't have big muddy footprints. That's true. All over my back, you know, as I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> we encourage you to go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org to register for the upcoming boot camp November 1st through 4th. It's going to be a great time. You're going to hear a lot about these clips, but you're going to hear a lot about God. And God's going to do some amazing things that weekend, and we invite you to go register now. Camp will be filling Hi, up quickly soon. Journey. I'm here with my son, Eli. We're going to talk about ways that you can help support the ministry. One way you can go to smile.amazon.com. There's information on our website there on how to do that. Then you can go to facebook.com where you can click the donate button. Or you can go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Once again, look for the donate button. Or if you want to mail something in, mail it to P.O. Box 550, Kernersville, North Carolina, 27285. I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. God has set within each of us a masculine heart. Why? Why did he give you that heart? And what does the Christian life have to do with any of that? Come join Masculine Journey Radio for a boot camp, November the 1st through the 4th, based on John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. And when might that be again? That's a great question, Tiny Jim. November the 1st through the 4th. Go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Honest Abe Lincoln, he set the people thinking. He wouldn't lie to you and he wouldn't lie to me. There was trouble, he was tried, but the Lord was by his side. All American was a man of destiny. <laughs> that had to speak to your heart. That tall American. <laughs> but you too, Jim. You know, You're you not see that, that tall. <laughs> well, in studio, we do have Tiny Jim. Yeah. With Tiny Jim right here, if you want to try that, in, that imitation again of... Uh, no, but <laughs> but I also identified with what you were identifying with in the movie, and find that that does often bring out our heart is when we see ourselves in those positions in these epic stories. And uh, I'm glad I wasn't Lincoln, but I can identify with him at least the tall and goofy part. Yeah, but before we move too far off the boot camp, I wanted to mention that. You know, at that last boot camp, um, I realized something. I, 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 I wish I could communicate to at everybody last, listening. Iris database has been updated. Um, is that our virus database has been updated. A vast. That's what I was wondering about. No, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> but no, what I really would like every listener to hear is, is you know, it's one thing to know about God, to, to know about his word and, and these kind of things. It's another thing to actually experience God yeah. and to hear his voice and to get a sense of what he wants in your life and, and what, and where he's calling out your heart and why it is that your heart is doing the things it's doing that sometimes you don't understand that reason knows not of. 
at this last boot camp, we got to see this in action with 14, 15, 16-year-old boys. What would happen when they actually experienced God versus just talking about God? And when they went out, when we did these um, listening prayer exercises, when we do the covenants of silence, when people actually hear God, what he thinks of them, gives them a new name, those kind of things, they change everything. I, I mean, these people... T- the, Everything about them was changed, Sam. They went from, you know, giggling teenagers, from my point of view, to people that were really set on, wow, God's real. I can experience him. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and you know, that's these are teenagers that, you know, I wish I would have had somebody bring that to me at that age. You know, unfortunately, I was 40, I think, or no, something like that. Yeah, around 40 when, you know, really I heard God for the first time. You know, and then and, and so it doesn't really matter if you're 16, 18, 35, 60. God's been speaking to you. He still has something he wants to tell you. Right. And so in my life, you know, Tammy, <laughs> essentially, you know, you are going to church and she wouldn't let me up. You know, it was like, man. <laughs> and, and so that's why I went to hear the sermon that day that, that, that Dr. Redhead taught where it was a listening prayer sermon. Like, you're going to sit there and listen until you hear from God. And it changed everything in my life, not that day, but later on when I knew what he was talking about and I, and I began to listen to God. And so, you know, the Mary Todd played a huge part in, in Lincoln's life that really, I thought the movie brought that out and it helped me see some things in perspective on what, what that meant in my own life. It would, nothing would be the same. And I'm sure that was the same for Abraham. The next clip we have is from, um, Thaddeus Stevens, I believe, was his name in, in the movie. He was played by a Tommy Lee Jones, and oh my gosh, uh, you know this is part of Lincoln was not in a vacuum. He was around some really, really great men, some brilliant thinkers. You know, I think of some of the people I have in my life along the same lines. You know, Adam Draper is like this guy, and uh, you know that just could come up with something like, how did he know? You know, how could he have that at the moment? And this speech that he delivers that really helps prepare the way for the 13th Amendment is historically accurate. These were things that were said. But these guys were trying to draw him out to get him to say that all people were equal in all things. But he was just trying to keep it there at this level so that he could get the amendment passed. And rather than be called out that all people are equal, this was his answer, which is absolutely classic. Your frantic attempt to delude us now is unworthy of a representative. It is, in fact, unworthy of a white man. How can I hold that all men are created equal when here before me stands stinking the moral carcass of the gentleman from Ohio, proof that some men are inferior, endowed by their maker with dim wits, impermeable to reason, with cold, pallid slime in their veins instead of hot red blood. You are more reptile than man, George, so low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? Yet even you, Pendleton, who should have been gibbeted for treason long before today, even worthless, unworthy you, ought to be treated equally before the law. (laughs) So, Robbie, that's a great clip. I mean, I I loved hearing it today. It makes me want to watch the movie. But what about that clip really spoke to you? What spoke to me, a man that was able to hold his sense of, you know, were I he, I may have lost my temper, um, (laughs) honestly. 
And, you know, he was in a, a very difficult position. But not only did he not lose his temper, he was able to deliver a speech that made phenomenal sense based on the example that the guy had given him. And, and, and it was just brilliant. But on top of that, it was all pointed to the larger story, which is where so much of this particular movie is, that this movie is about freedom. This movie is about what happened in this country to bring, you know, what was the worst time among brothers to a place where we really made some headway in, in, in loving one another and looking like Christ's disciples. One of the things in that speech is important to me. I mean, we say all men are created equal. We're not. We're all created differently. And everybody has talents. Everybody has shortcomings. But being treated equally under the law is important for our society, uh, critical for our society. And that's still not happening, but, you know, we're not going to get political. But God treats us all in the very best way we can be treated. And he is above all of the laws of man and all of the stuff of this world. And if we can get there, we can be calm in the midst of a storm like that one. And God obviously sees us all as and treats us all as sons and, and daughters out there here in this room, be sons, you know, technically. But, you know, the thing that's really good, he even does that with the dim-witted people from Ohio or from whatever. Indiana. Indiana, like where I'm from, you know. I mean, I'm just grateful, you know, that God does that. Now, Robbie, you had one more clip we want to make sure we get to. Yeah, the the last clip um, speaks to me on all sorts of levels. Of course, when you watch the movie, you come to the conclusion that that Lincoln – was more about grace than he was about law in spite of the fact that he was a lawyer. Um, and, and he demonstrates this on all sorts of interesting levels. In this speech that you'll hear, all these people are thinking smaller story and he wants them to think larger story. And, and he wants to call them to what they're actually capable of and what, what they're at the time and in place for such a time as this. Um, and Anybody who's ever tried to lead, been a king, um, as we talk about that stage, knows that it's it's difficult to take authority. It, mm. It's difficult, <clears throat> you know. They say we're at the right hand of God, and 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 those of us who pray the morning prayer, and I hope a lot of you do see it at the website. You know, I'm supposed to climb up there on the throne next to Jesus every week, <laughs> every day, and and and, and rule, right, a- and step into that a minute. And take on the immense power and authority that you have when the time is right and when it's good for the hearts of those people around him. And, and so this clip, um, I'm sure it's what helped him win, you know, the, the uh, Oscar for his performance. But it's brilliant on all sorts of levels. You lied to me, Mr. Lincoln. You evaded my request for a denial that that there is a Confederate peace offer because because there is one. We are absolutely guaranteed to lose the whole thing. And we don't need an abolition amendment. No. Leave the Constitution what, alone. The peace commissioners what? appear today or, or state worse, by state on the morning. I can't listen to this anymore. I can't accomplish a thing of any human meaning or worth until we. 
cure ourselves of slavery and end this pestilential war. And whether any of you or anyone else knows it, I know I need this. This amendment is that cure. We're stepped out upon the world stage now, now, with the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilt to afford us this moment, now, now, now. And you grousel and heckle and dodge about like pettifogging Tammany Hall hucksters. See what is before you. See the here and now. That's the hardest thing, the only thing that accounts. Abolishing slavery by constitutional provision settles the fate for all coming time. Not only of the millions now in bondage, but of unborn millions to come. Two votes stand in its way. These votes must be procured. We need two yeses, three abstentions, more. Four yeses and, and one more abstention, and the amendment will pass. You got a night and a day and a night and several perfectly good hours. Now get the hell out of here and get him. Yes, but how? Buzzard's guts, man. I am the president of the United States of America, clothed in immense power. You will procure me these votes. So, Robbie, go ahead, Darren. Well, I I love the way Robbie set the clip up that, you know, it's hard to step into your authority. And the reason I think it's hard for, for me to do that and, and perhaps others is because there's so much in this world that comes at you saying you, you don't have any authority um, or every time you attempt to use that authority, you either use it inaccurately you know, you use it wrongly, whatever, and it blows up in your face. So, Robbie, we got a little bit of time here. What about that clip just really fired you up? It, if, what fires me up is that he was able to step into that, which I really struggle with, and seeing the time and the time to use it. And clearly that was, if there was ever a time, you know, there it was. And so, you know, my prayer is that I'll continue to, to keep that in mind as God provides opportunities in my life. So what about those movies, Awaken Your Heart? Who's the people God's brought into your life? Why don't you ask God those questions this week? And go to masculinejourneyradio.org to register for a boot camp coming up November 1st through 4th. See you next week. <laughs>